Welcome to podcast episode 259. I'm Stuart McCall, I'm the CEO of VHAA. Joining me for today's discussion is Senior Workplace Relations Consultant, Daniel Pullum. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you, Stuart. Today's discussion, we're actually going to be uh, talking about the parental leave provisions, in particular changes to the parental leave provisions of both the uh, doctors in training and the medical specialists agreement. And just for a point of reference for those who are reading along uh, whilst they're whilst they're watching, it's clause uh, 67 of the doctors in training agreement and clause 54 of the medical specialists agreement. And thankfully, a substantial proportion of the changes are common to both agreements. So we'll spend most of the podcast working through these changes. Um, and that's true, yes, sir. But before we get into the detail, Daniel, it's correct to say that the parental leave clauses had some of the same review process attached to them uh, as part of the drafting uh, to get alignment for commonality with um, some of the other agreements, just in terms of structure, uh, with other examples being, say, the Nurses Agreement and the Health and Allied Agreement. That's correct. So VHA sought to align their parental leave terms across all agreements during the previous round of bargaining. And this meant that not only is the parental leave clause consistent in structure across the two doctors' agreements, it's broadly consistent with our other major agreements as well. And I should just say, for the sake of completeness, that is a work in progress. There are some clauses, such as in the medical scientists' agreement, that don't conform uh, to that structure at this time. But let's get to the first change, Daniel, and starting in subclause two, which deals with the definitions. So I understand that the first change deals with uh, addressing changes from the from the national employment standards, the minimum standards that apply with respect to stillbirths. That's correct, and it is a provision added by the NES. So the new parental leave clause had to reflect that change. All right, so it is a difficult subject to discuss, but the agreement defines the term stillbirth and, and stillborn manner in a, uh, in a way that reflects that minimum entitlement under the national employment standards. That's correct. And both those terms are found within the definition subclause at the start of the parental leave clause of both agreements. So the second change uh, deals with an amendment to the definition of continuous service, and that's at subclause B. Uh, and so we'll just put on screen an extract from the medical specialist agreement. If you could take us through that, Daniel. Of course. So on screen, the change deals particularly with Roman 2, which we've uh, highlighted there in blue, and members can see that on screen. So this is with respect to continuous service for the purpose of determining uh, the length of service required to be uh, that an employee has to be employed within to access the components of parental leave. And we've added in uh, at Roman 2 that service as part of a specialist training program accredited by a specialist medical college with an employer not covered by this agreement, where the break between the period of employment is not more than two months duration or such longer period as provided in subclause 55 uh, point three A Roman one B, which is the allowable period of absence for parental leave clause. So the change here was to ensure that both the doctors in training and medical specialist agreements uh, protected a doctor's continuous service with respect to specialty training, uh, where that program required them to work outside the scope of the agreement. So just for completeness there, Daniel, where the clause refers to uh, a break, the break between the period of employment being not more than two months duration. Uh, what's a practical example of that? How does that work? Yeah, so it's not the break in employment with employers under the agreement. Rather, it's the break between ending agreement-based employment and starting with an outside employer 
and then between ending employment with the outside employment and starting back under an agreement-based employer. So further, I mean, there's another amendment under the definitions, uh, which is the subclause um, with respect to eligible doctors. That's right, and we've provided an extract from the medical specialist agreement this time on screen. And uh, you can see there that it provides that an eligible doctor for the purpose of this clause 54 means a doctor who has at least six months continuous service or an eligible internal locum doctor as defined. So it provides that a doctor can access paid parental leave following a period of six months continuous service. So just acknowledge a couple of things there, one of which is that change from 12 months down to six reflects a change more broadly that occurred across uh, agreements, reducing the period of eligibility. But obviously um, the eligible internal locum uh, is, a, is a new invention um, uh, under, under this agreement. Um, so there's a distinction there clearly between permanent employees and those that are um, supplementary labour, either as you know, described as an internal locum or, or a casual. So internal, uh, so casual doctors and internal locums still require 12 months rather than six. Is that correct? That's right. And um, keeping with medical specialists, uh, and as you mentioned, the eligible internal locum doctor is a new addition to that agreement. So we might start with that. We provided an extract of that on screen, um, but briefly it talks about the eligible internal locum doctor, uh, meaning such doctor that has been employed by the employer on a regular and systematic basis for a sequence of periods of employment during a period of at least 12 months and who has but for the birth or expected birth of a child or the decision to adopt a child, a reasonable expectation of continuing engagement by the employer on a regular and systematic basis. All right, so that's the, uh, the definition there of eligible internal locum doctor. And uh, without wanting to turn this into an Ed Sheeran copyright trial, let's uh, just compare that then with the definition of the casual doctors in training. So the eligible casual employee is the definition under casual doctors in training, and it provides, in essence, it actually does provide exactly the same conditions requiring uh, a period of 12 months um, and a reasonable expectation of continuing engagement by the employer on a regular and systematic basis. So those are intentional similarities in, in this case uh, as, as such. So the key difference here is that the internal locum doctors and casual doctors uh, are required still to have that 12 months rather than six months uh, for the permanent employees move to the six month eligibility. That's right. And in addition, they must have been employed by the employer on a regular and systematic basis. We'll pick up on that issue of regular and systematic because sometimes we get queries about that. And I think uh, in a future podcast, we might do a little bit of a deep dive on the subject of regular and systematic. Um, the next addition is that subclause three, long parental leave unpaid, and deals with the addition of terms related to flexible long parental leave. That's correct. And we've included an extract from subclause 3G of the doctors in training agreement below. And that provides that for flexible long parental leave, an eligible employee may take up to 30 days of their long parental leave entitlement during the 24 month period, starting on the date of the birth or day of placement of the child if the requirements of this subclause are satisfied in relation to the leave. So let's just uh, deal with the elephant in the room there, Daniel, that the concept of flexible long parental leave is not an invention of these agreements. It comes from the NEMS. So yeah. if there's anyone uh, who's watching this podcast and think and, and wonders why haven't I heard about flexible long parental leave, uh, it's relatively new. It was introduced into the Act and it's replicated in the agreements so that people 
can see the entitlements in the, the agreement without having to go to the Act. But this is relevant to unpaid parental leave. Absolutely. So this allows uh, an employee to access their unpaid long parental leave as either a single continuous period or separate periods of a day or more for up to 30 days. That's right. And just to flag, I think there are further changes proposed in that space with uh, other changes under legislation. So don't be surprised if, if um, that develops a little bit further later in the year. Um, Daniel, that takes us um, uh, to, to other items within subclause three. There's been an addition to align the needs that allows for an employee and an employer to agree to delay the commencement of unpaid parental leave where the child was hospitalised after the child's birth. That's correct, and this addresses the hospitalised children provisions of the NES. And so the next change arises at subclause five, paid parental leave, and uh, we'll bring up an extract um, from the medical specialist agreement uh, up on screen. So the changes deal with the increase in quantum of paid parental leave for such leave commencing from the 11th of April 2022. Uh, and it also includes the addition of the requirement that leave is taken contemporaneously with the birth or placement of the child. And uh, really the form of that will be reasonably familiar to people. Um, I see some changes uh, in, in quantum. So for parental leave that commenced from uh, 11 April 2022 last year, parental leave went from 10 to 14 weeks and for the non-primary care from one to two weeks. Yeah, that's correct. And, and this was based on the, the commencement date of parental leave. So meaning that the doctor who was already on paid parental leave as at the 11th of April 2022 wasn't eligible for the additional paid leave. And uh, I understand one of the things that we were seeking as part of the negotiations was to make an increase to parental leave because um, they hadn't shifted for, for a long period of time. That's right, and despite there being plenty of work done to address uh, gender equity, the quantum of paid parental leave for the primary carer had been unchanged for some 12 years, with the one week for non-primary carer never increasing. And the second component dealt with the addition of um, requiring the leave to be, taken, to, to be taken contemporaneously with the birth or placement of the child. Yeah, and we thought that the that it was obvious that parental leave should be taken when a child was born or placed, but there were disputes where people sought to delay the commencement of their parental leave until many months after the birth of the child, with a view to accessing primary carer entitlements, which hadn't been the intention. Which is, which is interesting because we shifted to that um, gender neutral uh, mm. description and um, uh, it had the effect of distorting um, some of the approaches that people took, which was... Um, whilst a little bit disappointing on one hand, it was hugely informative on another about the role that um, incentives can play. Um, but just going back to that change, uh, what does that clarification mean in practice, Daniel? So it means that a doctor must access either the primary carer or non-primary carer entitlements at the time of the birth and not to seek to delay access to that entitlement to a time after the birth. The next change is at subclause 5A and deals with paid parental leave pooling. So this is something a little bit unique. Uh, a lot of the changes that we've talked about today, we've emphasised the similarity with other agreements, but not this one. Uh, this is an addition, it's new in its entirety. Um, can you take members through this particular change? Yes, yeah, so as you mentioned, it's a brand new clause and it is unique to the two doctors agreements. So let's work through each piece of the clause in turn. So on screen is an extract from subclause 5A of the Doctors in Training Agreement, and starting with, uh, with uh, the section A, 
and it provides on screen that a doctor who has an entitlement to paid parental leave under this clause 67 uh, and whose spouse will have an entitlement to paid parental leave under this clause or clause 54 of the medical specialist agreement with respect to the same child may pull the paid leave provided for at clause 67.5 totaling 16 weeks. Okay, so I'll stop you briefly there. Um, so both parents need to be doctors. Uh, and they're either under the medical specialist agreement or the doctors in training or, or, or both, both agreements. That's correct. So they can be under the same agreement or different agreements, but they both have to be under either the medical specialist or the doctors in training agreement. And they can be at different employers who are covered by those agreements. Yes. All right. So that's obviously something that's quite new and it'll be interesting to see how that works. Um, but the likely first question for members is, does this uh, increase uh, the total amount the doctor couple can take? So it doesn't, but it does allow two doctors to pull their collective weeks of paid parental leave. So moving back to the clause, we've, we'll place subclause A back on the screen. There are some conditions that are provided within the clause, um, and it starts with that Roman 1, the doctor and their spouse taking two weeks paid parental leave concurrently, that paid parental leave being taken in one continuous period, even though the primary carer may change during that period, that where a doctor wishes to pull the available paid leave, the doctor shall advise the health service the name of their spouse, the health service at which their spouse is employed, the pooling arrangements in a written notice form required at clause 67.6, which requires at least 10 weeks written notice, and that paid leave pooling arrangement can only be amended by consent of the employer, such consent will not be unreasonably withheld. All right, let's just go through the, the, the various components of that. The first thing is that there is a period of concurrent leave where the doctors must take two weeks concurrently. Yes, that's right. And that deducts four weeks in total from their pooled 16 weeks of leave. So that leaves uh, 12 weeks uh, for the two doctors to arrange who is the primary carer at which time over those 12 weeks. Correct. However, they need to advise their employers in writing uh, of, of the arrangement at least 10 weeks prior to the taking of leave. And can the employer reject that request? They can, but it can't be unreasonably withheld. Okay, so that takes us um, somewhat smoothly to subclause B, which does deal with that question of refusal and how the employer and, and the doctors engage over the request and refusal. Yeah, so on screen you can see subclause B there and it provides that in the event that the employer is not satisfied that the proposed paid parental leave pooling arrangement complies with the clause, and or has not been able to confirm the details of the application made by the doctor's spouse with the other health service, that the health service will advise the doctor in writing, and the doctor is entitled to request a meeting, the purpose of which is to seek to resolve any concerns. So the key takeaway here is that the outcome to the written request of the doctor needs to be responded to in writing by the health service. And the doctor can request uh, to meet with the health service to resolve any concerns. That's right. Uh, let's move then to subclause C, um, which is also on the screen. So subclause C uh, provides that in the event that the meeting does not resolve the concerns of either the health service or the doctor, either party may notify a dispute in accordance with the dispute settlement procedures of the agreement. So this allows the health service or the doctor to raise a dispute utilising clause 12 dispute resolution procedure. Okay, so we then move to subclause 16. Uh, where we find uh, provisions that again are inserted to reflect that the MES deals with 
uh, stillbirth of the death of a child. That's right. And then finally to subclause 19, which deals with keeping in touch days. And we did get some questions from um, members about you know, why they were keeping in touch days within the agreement they're from the NEDS. That's correct, Daniel? That's right. And it is a minor change that facilitates the ability to access a further quantum of keeping in touch days. Again, this aligns with the changes in the Act. Uh, and that's where the employee extends their parental leave into a second year. So really, there are three key themes for the changes here. Um, there's one group of changes that are intended to reflect the changes in other health sector agreements. There's one group of changes that are intended to reflect changes to the NEDS. And there are some unique changes, particularly with respect to the pooling of parental leave uh, that applies really just to doctors. Uh, Daniel, thank you for taking us through the, the changes in such detail. Thank you, Stuart.